good to see everybody today. Um, Father's Day. I want to thank you. I wanted to tell you, <clears throat> I was thinking this week what a tremendous, humble honor and a privilege it is to teach God's Word every week. And it really does mean a lot to us for those of you that show up or watch online to be a part of Grace Life's worship, Sunday morning worship expression. I was meeting with somebody this week. There are, there are a lot of expressions of grace life that happen during the week, and they're all equally important. But I really do personally enjoy the Sunday morning expression where we gather together and go deep into your word. Uh, as you can tell, my name is Pastor Barry White. <laughs> I have a cold this morning. We're continuing with our series on Jonah, swimming lessons. The, the name of the message this week if it goes forward. It's not clicking forward, guys. You can look at that for me. Um, I've called it Grace is for Pagans. You guys can check on that for me. Um, have you ever been around like an unbeliever who's just beginning to understand the gospel? Their excitement, their joy. Doesn't it seem like people in that stage, <clears throat> they're just learning to be enlightened and inspired. It seems like they are far more teachable than those of us who have known Jesus for years. Do you remember ever experiencing their passion to consume biblical knowledge? They ask so many questions. <laughs> Pastor, what about this? Pastor, what about that? I remember it was a couple of times, a couple of years ago, a young person first came to Christ through the Nightlife Center, and they were texting me questions almost three times a day. It was not annoying at all. You know what else I love about them is their hunger for fellowship. They would not dare pass up an opportunity to be together with God's people. They have this desire to worship God they have this desire to be obedient to his word. Have you ever been jealous of somebody in that stage a little bit? Maybe feeling a little bit of shame for what amounts to your complacency in comparison? I think sadly over time, Christians grow and see if you can catch this. I think we grow bored with the precious grace that God has extended us. We become quite familiar with grace. We take it for granted. And we begin to live with this spiritual ambivalence. Oh, we still enjoy singing our songs about grace. And we amen those pithy quotes about it. And we'll make sure on social media we like or heart those really good memes but we're, we're missing that initial joy and inspiration we had when we first met Jesus. What causes this complacency to happen? And why do we become okay with it? Why are we okay with neglecting the fellowship together one another? Why are we okay with the, neglecting worship and prayer and time in God's word? How do we get to that spot? As I was studying the passage this week, I was struck by this contrast between the pagan sailors and Jonah. It's not skipping forward, guys, on the slide, so you might have to do it for me. There we go. Okay, Jonah chapter 1, 
verses 7 to 16. Let's read it. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us, the evil being that storm that they're all facing. These are the sailors talking here. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? Skip it forward for me, guys. This is not working. So, for the sea grew more and more uh, tempestuous. See, I knew I would get that out. He said to them, pick me up. Jonah says this, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to try to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you. O Lord, have done this as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Let's look at the history of this passage. Switch this out. Great. Thanks, buddy. Look at the history of this passage. I want to talk about how all these guys, Jonah, the sailors, they're all in the same boat. But they want to know who's to blame. See, I love how this part of the story of Jonah, how the sailors and the prophet are in the same boat, if you will. But there's a big difference between how they're viewing spiritual things. Both are in desperate need of God's grace and mercy. They both need God to save them from the storm. Now, a common pagan belief was that when bad things like a storm would happen, some god or gods had become very angry with someone. If you want mercy, first you got to find out what god or gods are angry. Then you got to find out what the sin is. Then you got to find out how to appease those angry gods. And the sailors are desperate for some sort of spiritual enlightenment. They want to find out who's angered, what gods and what needs to be done. And they know this is a spiritual moment. Something is beyond their comprehension at work. So they cast these lots, hoping whatever God or gods are angry will reveal the culprit. And of course, we know the lots fell on Jonah. He's the reason. And we see Jonah has this selfish confession. See, the sailors demand Jonah tell them who is his God, what Jonah does for a living, what did Jonah do to cause God to create this storm? And immediately, Jonah confesses everything. Well, I'm a Jewish prophet, and I'm running from God because I didn't want to preach to the stinking Ninevites. (laughs) Now listen, don't be impressed by Jonah's confession. This isn't repentance. This isn't humble confession. This is a passive-aggressive self-pity party. Oh, woe is me. It's me. I'm the cause. Just throw me into the ocean. Jonah tells them that's all they got to do. To save yourselves, just throw me into the water and let me drown. But that's not what God wanted. 
God wasn't creating this storm so that Jonah would get thrown into the ocean. Actually, all Jonah needed to do was say to the captains, yeah, it's on me. Turn the boat around so I can go to Nineveh. Everything will be fine. But that's not what Jonah wants to do, is it? Jonah would rather drown than go to Nineveh. But God didn't want to kill Jonah. God just wanted Jonah to preach. But what I love in this story is these teachable pagans. See, they are hesitant to throw Jonah overboard. They, they keep fighting to try to get back to shore. And these pagan sailors care more about Jonah than Jonah cares about them. It's evidenced, by the way, I think, that God is working in their hearts. But the harder they tried to save Jonah, the worse the storm gets. And the scripture says the pagan sailors begin to cry out to Jonah's God for grace, for mercy. And with the unusual storm, with the lot falling on Jonah, Jonah's confession, all this together, God has used it to reveal to them, I am the real God. Jonah's God is real. At that moment, they believe in Jehovah. They want to be right with him. They just don't know how. The storm's getting worse. Tell us, Jonah, what do we need to do to appease your God? Teach us about Jehovah. It's a miraculous moment if you think about it. They're desperate, and they abandon all their traditional pagan gods, the gods of their fathers, and they now want Jehovah's mercy. They want Jehovah's intervention. And they turn to this rebellious, racist, bigoted, selfish prophet for wisdom about God. Yet Jonah still refuses to preach. He'd rather be thrown into the ocean. Finally, they relent, and they follow Jonah's advice, even though they know it can't be right, and they throw him into the sea. That's when the most inspiring part of this story takes place. The pagan sailors suddenly, after they throw Jonah into the ocean, they become worshipers of God. In verse 16, it says, the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Wow. At this point, the pagan sailors are more in tune with God and his grace than the wise, old, experienced prophet. So what does God do in this story? I'm going to talk about grace despite all. First of all, I want you to see there is grace despite ignorance. At the time, it was impossible for the sailors or Jonah to know all that God was doing in those moments. All the poor pagan sailors know is some God somewhere is angry and they are caught in the crossfire. The sailors didn't come to God like nice, obedient Jews would. They didn't come through the temple. They came to God as pagans, using pagan rituals. Think about that for a minute. Does that bother you? God chooses to reveal spiritual truth through a pagan ritual of casting lots. Do you have a problem with that? Does it make you uncomfortable that your God would do that? Use a pagan ritual to reveal truth. This isn't beyond God. In fact, it's another example of his grace. He speaks truth through pagans in pagan places. 
He breaks down the pagan barriers of darkness erected by the enemy in the hearts of these sailors, and he pierces it with the light of truth. He does the same thing today. God's truth doesn't change, but God can reveal truth through any vehicle or circumstance he sees fit. Consider this. God loved the pagan sailors so much he would not allow their pagan hindrance of grace. So not only is there grace despite ignorance, there's grace despite Jonah. How do you think Jonah saw these sailors when he first got on the ship? I think it's safe to say he had no interest in interacting with these low-life pagans. Of course, even in this pitiful spiritual state, Jonah still has the ability to look down on these pagan sailors. He's better than them. He knows God. The last thing Jonah has on his mind is teaching a boatload of pagan sailors about Jehovah and repentance and forgiveness. He's in full personal crisis. Victim mode big time. He'd rather drown than teach the sailors or have them help him go back to Nineveh. Yet while Jonah preferred disobedience, even if it meant drowning, God was going to what? Use him anyway. God uses the circumstances of Jonah's arrogant, selfish, disobedient call to minister to the sailors, turn them into believers, into worshipers. God's grace reserved for the pagan sailors would not be impeded despite Jonah's obedience, disobedience. That's what I see happening spiritually in this passage. I think it's pretty amazing. But now let's go to the personal section. Some of you aren't going to like this. I didn't like it. Is it possible that we're bored with grace? This was the uh, sermon preview this week on the social media thing and on the push notification of the Grace Life app. Why are unbelievers often more teachable than Christians? I think it's true. I got to tell you, sometimes it's easier for me to teach a person who is just brand new in pursuing God than it is people who have known Jesus for decades. And see, there are two reactions to God's presence in this story, aren't there? And these two reactions couldn't have been more different. But how? Jonah is a prophet, and they are pagans. But what we see is the pagans are celebrating grace. So the sailors woke up that morning to do what they've always done each day, sail this route. They were not seeking or had any intention to seek God. But by the end of the day, they were filled with wonder, awe, gratitude, and joy. They are worshipers of Jehovah. They are enthralled by grace. No doubt, I would imagine, I don't think this is too much of a stretch. I think it became a powerful story they would retell for years to come to family and their other little sailor friends. <laughs> the story of that day that they faced certain death in a storm that came out of nowhere. The story about how they cast lots like pagans would and Jehovah used it to reveal what was happening. And they ended up being transformed by God's grace, and they became worshipers right there on that boat. 
If this story happened today, I wouldn't be able to get enough of hearing them talk about it. I'd have them on the Grace Life podcast, you know. I'd follow them on Twitter, Sailors for Jesus, you know. I'd be friends on Facebook, subscribe to their podcast. I, w- I would just love that story. I wouldn't be able to get enough of it. For the, get this, for the sailors, that storm on that boat, even though it was frightening, is the best day of their lives. Ironically for Jonah, it was probably the lowest point of his. How could that be? <clears throat> How could it be that grace is so powerful in the lives of the pagans, but with Jonah, it's his worst moment? Does it make sense? How could this incredible sight of pagan sailors being converted to God in the middle of a stormy ocean not be something at least Jonah could celebrate? Church, how did Jonah get to a place where pagan sailors were more excited about grace than he was? What we see here is there's definitely evidence that Jonah is neglecting his grace. You may not see it, but too often, from my experience, unbelievers are more excited about grace than we are. We do get bored with it. We get familiar with it. We become very complacent with grace, don't we? Some of you have known Jesus for a very long time. But there's not much joy in it for you anymore. We've become more like Jonah than the sailors. We're choosing this secluded isolation of self-pity over the joy that grace can bring us. Often people who've been in church for years don't really celebrate grace like that anymore. They neglect it. They neglect fellowship with other believers. They neglect prayer. They neglect God's word. They neglect serving in ministry. They neglect all sorts of things related to grace. We get so wrapped up in our own lives, our own little suffering, our own little world, and we're afraid to interact with anyone outside of it, especially pagans. And mostly... You're more interested in the personal, get this now, you're more interested in the personal benefits of grace rather than how grace is at work outside the church. We spend more time avoiding the pagans than we do celebrating and seeking opportunities to be with them, to teach them. Oh, we'll talk about it. We'll budget for it. We'll applaud missionaries. We're not really doing much of it ourselves, are we? We've become very familiar with grace. As a result, those within the church have become disconnected from grace. Disconnected from God's power in your life. Not only does that make us no better than the pagans, in fact, in many ways, it makes us worse because we know grace and we're ignoring it. We've taken it for granted. 
I'd like to challenge you to be reunited today with grace. You know, I wonder if Jonah ever learned about what happened to those sailors. You know, they, they threw them into the ocean, and then they worshiped the God. Do <laughs> you think he ever heard about it? What he thought when he did? By the way, Jonah, remember that day you were with us and we threw you over? We became Christians. I mean, here's what we do know. He certainly wasn't interested in it at the time. He was more enthralled with the belly of the whale that we'll talk about next week. All Jonah could think about was his own trouble. Question for you, who would you rather be in this story? Jonah or the sailors? Which response to God seems to be more satisfying and fulfilling? I love Psalm 51. David wrote it after he had been caught with adultery with Bathsheba and murdering her, his, her husband Uriah. Look what he writes in Psalm 51. David recognized he needed to be reunited with grace. David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach sinners your ways, pagans. And sinners will be converted to you. They will return to you. I love hearing stories when God's grace transforms someone's heart and life. Nothing, nothing is more exciting than being witness to the moment God reveals himself to an unbeliever. If you haven't experienced it, you do not know what you're missing. I love the raw emotion. I love the joy. I love the gratitude, the thirst for knowledge, the obedience to God's word. And frankly, it makes me miss the days when I felt that way about my Jesus. When my heart was soaring, when I was filled with joy that I had recently found. Look at this verse in Lamentations. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning, great is your faithfulness. Can you really even relate to that today? Or you just quote it, ah, steadfast love, Lord, every season, they're new every morning, blah, blah, blah. Do you really know what it's saying? Why is it that we who have known God for years have become so cold and calloused to spiritual truth, to grace? Why is it that we often are just more like Jonah than we are the sailors. Have you, personally, have you become bored with God's grace? Have you become bored with God's grace? Have you begun to take it for granted? Have you lost the intense appreciation you should have for it? Wouldn't you love to go back to that day that time, the day God's grace found you just as he did the pagan sailors. Do you remember that day? You must become as those pagan sailors, remembering how desperately we need grace. That's how you get back there. That's what happened. That's why grace has become boring for many of you. You've, brought, you've forgotten how much you really need it. Because it's just there. 
Kind of like when the electricity goes out. Oh, no, the air conditioner. You know, in Florida especially, you don't really appreciate electricity until it's out for like five minutes and you freak out. Can you imagine how you'd feel if God said, I'm taking grace away from you for five minutes? That's what happened with Jonah. That's why he became so callous toward the sailors, toward the Ninevites. My message for you today, Christian, come to the Father. Confess your callousness. Confess your boredom with his grace right now. Ask him to make mercy new again this morning. Ask God to remind you that grace is for pagans like yourself. Ask him for renewed passion. Ask him for renewed tender heart. Ask him for the heart of a pagan sailor. Not the cussing of a pagan sailor, the heart <laughs> of a pagan sailor. Ask him to remind you of the moment you heard the gospel for the first time. Father, I can't believe that we get, we allow ourselves to become so bored with grace. We become so familiar with it. We become so used to it, we become complacent. We take it for granted. And even though it's still there, we're no longer inspired by it somehow. Father, there are some of us here who've known you for a long time. We desperately need to go back to that first day that we met you. We need to go back to the heart of a pagan sailor. Sailors full of desperation crying out to God, begging for mercy, begging for grace, and then when you give it, the joy, the ecstasy. Lord, we ask you would bring our heart back to that point. Make your mercies new this morning. And help us be on guard for when grace begins to bore us Oh, another Sunday together with God's people. Lord, we don't want to be bored by grace anymore. Help us to be aware of it. Protect us from it. Lord, we are asking you. We're begging you as the sailors begged you for mercy from the storm. We're asking you to make your mercies new. Every morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Christian, go and ask your God to make mercies new every morning. Don't be bored with grace. We love you. If you need anything, let us know. At Grace Life, we've got your back. Have a great week.